The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Subscribe to Inclusion Revolution Radio, wherever you get your podcasts. Listen up, Ohio, because this is a test from Pepsi. If you call Seabus Seatown, you're not from Ohio. If you don't know the Blue Jackets actually have a fifth line, you're not from Ohio. And if you don't know what to say when someone yells OH, you're not from Ohio. We know this because at Pepsi, we are from Ohio. In fact, we bottle ice cold Pepsi right here in Seabus. So when you're thirsty for something that says you're from here and proud of it, grab a Pepsi and say here's to OHIO, where Pepsi and life are oh so refreshing. I'm Adam Weinrib. And I'm Thomas Carinante. We're bringing you the most complete and hilarious Yanks chat you'll find anywhere. This is the Yanks Go Yard podcast, courtesy of Fansack. Welcome to an American League Wild Card Series winning edition of the Yanks Go Yard podcast on a Victory Pizza Friday. I'm Adam Weiner alongside Thomas Carinante. And Thomas, the Yankees won the most exciting MLB playoff game in at least three years on Wednesday night and took decades off our lives in literally the first round of this four-round postseason. Uh, that was insane. What a ride. Thrilling win. If we lose that game, I, I don't know where we are right now. We're probably, End we're probably not, 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 not working today. Probably skip the pod or probably just have two scabs do the pod for us instead. Um, I don't know what the options are, but you lose that game and there is zero morale going into tonight. We wanted to avoid a game three with Jay Happ going, although he's been pitching well this year. You just don't want to be in that situation, especially because the Indians have Zach Plezak, who's pretty good. Um, I guess the only advantage going into a potential game three tonight was that the Indians bullpen was completely dead. They used a hundred guys over the first two games. Um, nonetheless, I had so much fun watching that. Uh, Gio Urshela, I mean, he's, he's a Yankees legend already, and there's, there's no question about it. Um, him and DJ, obviously, catching all the, uh, the headlines for the great play. And Gary, we got to give Gary, we, we, I said, you agreed. Gary yeah. would hit a home run in this game. Two-run shot, sack fly in the ninth. You thought, you thought, tell me you thought he was grounding into a game-ending double play when he stepped up. I, the I, I, there's not even any <laughs> debate about whether or not he was grounding into an inning, any double play. Brett Gardner needed to get the run in by doing yeah. something Brett Gardner-related, and he had an incredible Brett Gardner at bat, and he fouled off two, three, two. Uh, he fouled off a 3-1 fastball and a 3-2 mm-hmm. fastball. And got another dotted – Brad Hand, it feels like this happens to the Yankees more often than it should where a reliever throws 
26 terrible pitches and then right at the breaking point throws a perfect one and twists the whole inning on its head. Mm -hmm. And Brad Hand, you know, 3-1 to Garner with the bases loaded and no outs. Garner battled some fastballs and Brad Hand threw just the best pitch, just the best pitch you can throw, like 93-94 dotted on the outside corner. And all Gardner had to do, all he could do was tip it foul or whiff. He whiffed, brought Gary Sanchez up. The story of this game was already written. You could you could chisel it into the Rosetta Stone, do like the Penn and Teller experiment where you like open the envelope after something happens and the envelope <laughs> says what already happened. Like double play was a guarantee. And then not only was it, not only obviously it wasn't a game losing double play, but it was like a great, easy sack fly ab it was like the second pitch of the at bat or, or third pitch like gary had that on lock gary looked yeah. comfortable gary didn't let the count get deep like brad hand is filthy disgusting he, he hadn't blown a save all year like it's not like we're talking about an erratic closer that the yankees were about to make look good like that's the best of the best the indians bullpen is good that's why it was so surprising and so upsetting when the yankees kept squandering those chances late in this game because once you take leads against the Cleveland bullpen, you can't keep relenting and giving them up because eventually somehow the, these like these first three line of defense dudes who are all really good, all failed. Like someone's not going to fail. It's what they were talking about in, uh, in the ninth inning. Once again, for some reason, I'm quoting a rod because there's, just, there's <laughs> no alternate, there's no alternate track. So I was forced to listen to Alex Rodriguez for four hours and 50 minutes, the longest nine inning baseball game in baseball history. I had to listen to Alex Rodriguez for all of that after listening to Alex Rodriguez for all 13 innings of Reds Braves earlier in the day, because I love baseball. And apparently I love ESPN because I have to. So A-Rod in the ninth says, you don't want to be facing DJ LeMahieu on a day when he's 0 for 5 because he's too good. And he's a 364 hitter. And at some point, he's going to get a hit. So the fact that he was overmatched throughout this game, hitting grounders, you know, little dinky choppers, that's not good when you need to get him out with the winning run at second base in the ninth because eventually he's not going to fail. And that's what it was like facing the Indians' bullpen. And that's kind of the fatalistic feeling I had personally. I don't know how you feel. When Clint Frazier struck out on three pitches against Nick Wickren at the end of the top of the eighth, it was like, oh, now we're done scoring. Like, we, we finished scoring. We did a lot of scoring earlier. And Roll with Coda and roll on over to our digital fare management system that lets you digitize dollars and save money every time you ride. Never pay more than $4.50 a day or $62 a month, no matter how many times you ride. Learn more at Coda.com forward slash transit app. And the Jordan Luplo double, like, that's the final equalizer. We're never scoring again. Like, it's painfully obvious. Like, the bullpen figured it out. They finally found the guy who has it today. It's impressive the Yankees got through Karen Jack and all those guys. But now here's a guy who's got it, got it together. And uh yeah, it got to the best of the best, the final boss, and they and they beat Brad Hand. That I mean, that that honestly was an instant playoff classic. That was a crazy playoff game. It was. That was it was reminiscent. Obviously, it's not a World Series game, but it was reminiscent of the Indians Cubs 2016 uh, game seven worlds of the world. Absolutely. Series. Just like stuff out of left field. You got the rain delays in the beginning, which we'll get into a minute. Um, I mean, they had the rain delay later in that game, but this game constantly getting flipped on its head. This was an ass backward series. Like we said, the last thing anybody was expecting, we were sitting there saying, okay, starting pitching has to get the job done. If the bullpen gets rest in game one, they got to come ready to play game two. Instead, the Yankees score 22 runs and then give up nine in the second game and somehow win both of these. And 
the bullpen fully rested from the end of the season and then didn't even get a crack at the first uh, game of the series. And then they're bad. So I don't know what's going on. It's nonetheless, we got the victory. So that's all that matters. But heading into the ninth, I wasn't as pessimistic as I thought I would be. I just said to myself, Stanton has to get on base or else this is over. And he ended up walking. Um, and that, that was it, right? That was what happened. Yeah. Yeah, Stanton walk. Yeah, it was Stanton walk, and then Geo hitting that curveball on O two. God knows how he hit that. Um, Glaber infield single right. I mean, the the cards the cards fell in our favor, so I, I, we can't complain. I don't think we can complain about luck for like for a few days because we're always complaining about how we're getting screwed in some capacity. That was Glaber finding the right spot on that little dinky infield single. And then Gary, for some reason, being cool, calm, and collected and just taking a nice little swing and poking that thing out to center field to get the run in. It's like he, that was his plan the whole time when he's never thinking that. Um, but, yeah, I, I enjoyed every second of that. I, was, I felt very uncomfortable because I, I, I really didn't want to go to a game three and every inning just felt like it was punching me in the chest and then lifting me back up and, like, giving me a nice cold glass of water and, like, a pat on the back. Uh, very, very weird times. And we only had eight hits and 10 runs. I mean, like, what, what was it in this? We're sitting there in the seventh inning. We're like, how do we have five hits? But, yeah, we had five hits and three yeah. homers and two yeah. doubles, like a double and a triple. Like all our hits yeah. were very memorable and then nothing in between. Yeah. Um, and one underrated thing that we didn't really mention is the, uh, the defense has been clean. Glaber's kind of been fine at shortstop. I know he missed that rocket hit on him yesterday, but it was wet out. That was like right after the sheets of rain came down. And that was, yeah, I mean, I, unless you want to, you know, just take that off the chest, that's the only defensive play you have. But Gary was solid behind the plate aside from the split finger drop pitch at the end. And I mean, we can't talk enough about Geo's playing the bottom of the eighth. That that's the game saver. That's the play we're going to be looking back on. If this team does end up making a world series run, if he doesn't make that play and save Chapman's ass, diving stop throwing to second from his butt it was a rocket too and then dj turns it to get the final out to save it uh to keep it at nine eight you know one managing one run in the in the top half of the ninth is much easier than managing two so at the you know worst case uh you know best case scenario if he doesn't make that play the yankees are down by two going into the last inning or worst case they're still digging themselves out of a hole and that game's probably five hours long. So I, I don't know. Um, defense, though, we got to give it credit. Everyone, everyone's been good. Uh, a lot of balls were put in play. Uh, the Indians did, did a solid job, especially yesterday, of, of making our defense work. And um, I was glad to not see any hiccups aside from that, that one Gary uh, dropped split finger that he, he's not used to seeing. I guess we have to give him the benefit of the doubt there. That is, though, the single worst rule in baseball. Worst. And, like, of course, four hours and 45 minutes into <laughs> an absolute torturous baseball game with one strike to go to, to give the Yankees, like, the hardest-earned victory you'll ever see. Like, I, they have – they it sounds like recency bias, but they have never played a game like this. I'm, I'm sorry. Like, with all the ups and downs in the scoring, yeah, they've obviously blown late leads in playoff games. And they've obviously won, you know, games with crazy comebacks. The game uh, four of the ALCS in 2017 against the Astros comes to mind. But that's 4 nothing on your home turf. Um, and that also didn't go 4 nothing, 6-4, 6-6, 8-6, 8-8, 8-9, 10-9. Like, that, that game was great. That doesn't happen. Like, that, 
the Matt, Sandy Alomar Jr. in a normal world doesn't send up Jordan Luplo as bait <laughs> to get Zach Britton out of the game. And then Aaron Boone falls for it. But then even after Aaron Boone falls for it, like Jonathan Loisaga should be able to get Jordan Luplo out. Absolutely. He's a 190 hitter, including lefties and righties. He's a 130 hitter against righties. And Loisaga hangs him a 1-2 curveball. Like, why, why are we throwing off-speed pitches? I, I don't get it. I really don't get it. I, why is Chad Green throwing two curveballs with first and second and nobody out? Like, I don't, know. I'm lo- I don't know if I should be blaming Gary Sanchez. We'll get into the bullpen in a little bit. I don't want to sidetrack before I give love to Gio Urshela. Like, you gave a little love to Gio. I just want to make it I – I want to stop the podcast in its tracks <laughs> and just say that this is, that was the Gio Urshela game. Mm-hmm. It, it wasn't a redemption game for anything he did wrong. It was a revenge game for what Cleveland did to him. And it's not like Cleveland disrespected him and didn't give him a chance, right? It, it's the hardest kind of revenge to have to deal with because it's not like Cleveland, like – I mean, we don't know what happened behind the scenes, but I have a feeling that, you know, Terry Francona wasn't calling her shell into his office every day being like, why don't you know how to hit yet, Gio? Where's your bat, Gio? And then he's like, I got to get out of here. They're mean to me. And he goes to the Yankees and he hits. Like, I doubt that happened. I bet they just had to release him and didn't know what they had. But like, holy shit. Like, that grand slam against James Karinchak, like, that, that was a great bat- pitch. That was That's a great the pitch. Of the series. It's a great pitch. It's a great pitch. There's nothing wrong with that pitch. Karen Chak, in a if he really had the stones and he's feeling as confident as he was during the regular season, he probably goes yacker on 3-2 and does another buried curveball. But low and in fastball, dotting the inside corner doesn't really get much better than no. that. Urshela pulled his hands in on like a 96, 97-mile-an-hour heater and hit it like 420 feet over the giant left field wall. I mean, you want to talk about momentum turner. If he even hits a sack fly in that inning – like most of us were probably praying for with a strikeout artist on the mound and the bases loaded and no outs. I think honestly, you know, some talk is should Alomar Jr. press that button? Like, yeah, I think he should have. That was a great move. It's your best reliever. It's the highest leverage situation in the game. Young uh, guy, though. That's Urshela, the only argument. Yeah, yeah. I mean, sure. But if, if Rochella lifts a sack fly there and it's 4 2, yeah. we're relieved at that point. We're like, oh, nice, another run on the board. But the game's probably over. Like, he had to hit it. Without the grand slam, this, this doesn't happen. And that's a crazy at-bat. And then, obviously, the defensive play is, like, the best you will ever see in a postseason game. If that gets through, it is 10-8, first and second or first and third, one out. More guys coming up against uh, Earl as Chapman. That's a double play people don't turn. I still don't understand defensive metrics. I think I'm smart. I think I'm a smart guy. Um, I don't think there are a lot of third basemen in the world who make the play Gio Urshela made there. And if there are, great. They deserve kudos for it because it was a crazy play. You can't minimize that play, especially not in that scenario. Um, So that was absolutely nuts. And then, like you said, the 0-2 single off Brad Hand that made it first and second no outs instead of just standing on first after a strikeout or Mike Talkman pinch running. Um, That ball was like 0.97 feet off the ground, I believe. I read Um, it was the closest pitch to the ground that a Yankee has hit for a base hit all year. Um, and he ripped it up the middle. I mean, there's no pitch. I, if that pitch is going to result in a single, there's no pitch you can make in that scenario that would have gotten Gio Rochella out. A, a crazy job of hitting all night by him. Um, and so before we go into the concerns for the next series and we yell about the umpires and we yell at Rob Manfred, I did just want to pause and say, like, Gio Rochella, my God. Like, that. in case people weren't believers yet, like, open your eyes. That That's the game. And that, that's a, without with or without fans, that was a playoff game, and that was an instant classic playoff game, and he owned every corner of that game. 
Yeah, and that's he. He's got he earned the pinstripes there. That's it. He's he's automatically a Yankees legend in my opinion. I, I don't care what anybody says. And his contributions last year were enough to do that too. Um, and I, you know, we got to laugh at the Blue Jays. These morons. They gave him up for twenty five G's. You know, like one of a, like you and I could probably pool enough money together to afford Gio Urshela at that time. Yeah, and, like I and, wouldn't have wanted to. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I would. It would <laughs> I would have willingly done that, but like if I had to liquidate and, you know, make a couple of bets here and there to, you know, figure things out, I I think I could have afforded Gio Rochella. Um, But that's on the Blue Jays, dude. I mean, they, I know that they have their, their thing going, but it's never bad to have a guy like that on your team. They need some, they, they, they have some veteran dudes there and Gio would have been a, still would have been a good fit. Who plays third base for them? Uh, Did Travis Shaw? We just played them 10 times. Fucking Travis Shaw? Joe Panic? Uh, I don't know. Because they move Vladdy to... Something you probably do know. Progressive can not only offer you a great price when you bundle home and auto, they offer you round-the-clock protection. Something you probably don't know? The average garage door is made up of 1.3 millimeter aluminum panels. Something you probably do know? Your neighbor likes to tinker with his dirt bike. Something you probably don't know? A runaway dirt bike can take out your garage door and a good portion of your car bumper. Bundle your home and auto with Progressive and get more than a great price. Get round-the-clock protection. Something you know for the things you don't know. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company, affiliates, and third-party insurers and subject to policy terms. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. First, so I thought yeah, it was like a combination. It was a combination of uh, Shaw and and uh, and Joe Panic. So, yeah, I mean, Joe Rochelle at the hot corner on the, that, that team would be pretty damn good. I mean, um, you make a good point. You say they have their thing going, but my counterpoint will be, uh, according to the scoreboard, they uh, <laughs> no longer have their thing going. So yeah. that's a shame. <laughs> um, yeah, but I, I mean, I'm glad we got to start the pot off happy. Um, I'm so happy for Gio. You know, he's only praised the Yankees for giving him a chance. He's been so thankful throughout this whole ride. Um, and you just love to see that out of a guy who only wanted one opportunity to prove himself. And he's been nothing. He's been nothing but exactly what we needed in terms of a reliable bat, at least last year, a reliable bat deep down in the order, and somebody at third base who could just make the plays and then even flash the leather when you needed to. But most our most concern at third base was just please just make make the play. Just just get the get the ground ball turned to or you know just give us a clean throw to first. Um, he's making clean throws to first, you know, thrown behind his head, you know, in foul territory. So he's 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 fully um, he, he's not making the shit list for at least two years. If he were to do anything wrong, um, he is, he's, he's a great man and uh, very glad to have him. Yeah. Um, all the discourse is dumb. And, and like, just, I I'm sure if we had Nolan Arenado and we watched him every day or, or Matt Chapman, we would be like, yeah, those guys are also sick, but you know, which one of those guys uh, of the three people we just mentioned cost $25,000 Gio Urshela. That's yeah. it. Nolan Arenado is on like a $200 million contract. So if they're similar, then guess what? I think I'm down with, I think I'm down with my guy. Uh, so yeah. congrats, Gio. That was awesome. Uh, and also I do want to shout out uh, the two most maligned members of these 2020 Yankees, Giancarlo Stanton and Gary Sanchez. Once again, just they get a moment too. Uh, the win does not happen without them. Stanton's solo home run turned the momentum. Uh, Sanchez's two-run homer wafted a deep right field, a very casual home run rewrote the whole thing again and then you know after the stupid loop low homer uh you know they regrouped and he had you know the, the game tying sack fly was huge they don't win the game without the game being tied so thank you gary and thank you Giancarlo. uh now we do turn to the segment of the podcast that happens every week whether the yankees have just gone through their most exciting playoff win in three years or not uh where we just ream out the people who deserve to be ripped and and this week 
Uh, we've got to prepare for the Rays, so we will be looking forward and ripping the Yankees' bullpen, uh, which was objectively terrible and, and never bailed out Aaron Boone once. Uh, he put them in positions to fail, and they failed, uh, and they have no idea what they're doing, and I don't know what next week looks like. But first, let's make sure to do a special rip job on Major League Baseball and Rob Manfred, who we love to love, absolutely love those guys. Uh, yesterday's game started uh, 45 minutes late because of rain that never came. Then as soon as Masahiro Tanaka took to the mound, the rain came in gale force winds and hurricane form. Uh, he was allowed to pitch to three batters in a monsoon, allowed two doubles, which is weird. He, he wasn't able to locate his pitches, which is strange to me, almost as if there was some kind of ungodly wind and hurricane force uh, storm in the, in the vicinity. And then Major League Baseball put the tarp back on the field potentially losing Tanaka and Carlos Carrasco for the entire game. Uh, but lo and behold, the tarp was off the field again 25 minutes later, which means if you do the math with me, if we had just delayed this game for, let's say, an hour and a half, we would have been fine with no rain interruption. And, at, I mean, four runs on the board for the Indians in the first, a first inning where one run was scored in the driving rain and three runs were scored after a rain break with traffic on the bases. Uh, Major League Baseball does this, not the grounds crew in the stadium, not the Yankees, not the Indians people, not local weathermen, uh, Major League Baseball's decision, and they decided to stop and start a potential game that could have gotten the Cleveland Indians back into this playoff series. What the fuck was that about? I like to think I'm not a baby because I don't whine about losses and I love to talk trash on my team when they're not playing well, as uh, everybody has heard for what? three weeks out of this or four weeks out of this entire season was just nothing but depressed pods and talking about what this team is enough. What is this team doing? It's you know, a complete waste of time. Can somebody, can somebody like pretend like they want to play baseball? But if we lost this game, I would have cried about this for, I don't even care if we won the series. I would have been bitching about this for a year. We're still crying about the yeah, midges. I, <laughs> We're still crying about the bugs. Yeah. And, and this is control the bug. Yeah, this is totally, this. totally in major league baseball's control. You read a, a freaking weather radar or you know when it's I, and because the reason that this was also so sensitive is because it was potentially potentially Masahiro Tanaka's final start as a Yankee the Yankees remember the Indians winning two out of three at home is not unthinkable it's a very possible thing so and then to give them a four-run lead in the first inning is really putting yourself in a hole and Tanaka his pants were about to blow off you were literally about to see him throw a splitter in his undies because I thought his pants were going to fly off, you know, front ways because the wind was blowing so hard. Gary had to, (laughs) Gary had to call timeout twice because the, the, the rain was hitting him in the eyes so badly. And uh, Tanaka kept obviously having to wipe his hand down because he couldn't get a grip on the ball. And I'm just sitting there. I'm like, they seriously started this game. And yes, I know that there's also concern on the Indian side because Carrasco did start the game. The rain started to come down after uh, the second out of that inning. But then you're going to let the Yankees take the, the field for the very next inning when it, it's literally raining buckets and the wind, you saw the trees in the outfield were tipping over. It's like just pause the game in between innings at the very least and then figure it out because once Tanaka starts throwing, then that, that creates a problem to n- not be able to get him back in the game. Um, and like you said, just delay the game an extra 30 minutes. I don't know how you missed this on the radar. I don't know what, you know, you literally started the game and the rain started less than 10 minutes after you started the game. 
So I, I don't, I don't understand. This is yet more malpractice for major league baseball. Do we need to get into everything else? And then, Oh my God, the other night game one ESPN crediting major league baseball for doing such a mm. great job for, you know, what they were dealt with, with the pandemic. Yeah. The, gr- the great job that, um, was overshadowed uh, the the pandemic issues which were overshadowed by the owners not wanting to pay full prorated salaries for 60 games of the season which meant they didn't want to play pay the players a hundred percent of 60 games played and that was the argument for however long and then we finally got that argument resolved and then MLB was like holy shit we have to figure out safety protocols for COVID they didn't even have that done so what was good about anything Major League Baseball did, aside from, get, I guess, getting a season off the ground? They were, the, hands down, the worst job of any sports league to deal with this pandemic. Hands down. And they just instituted a playoff bubble. That's awesome. I think that's great because it's really tough. It's going to be tough to ward off a recurrence of the virus during the fall. So at least Major League Baseball is keeping its players safe to make sure the postseason gets finished. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm actually being told through an earpiece that they are letting 10,000 random fans cross state lines to go to the NLCS and World Series in Texas. And last time I checked, there is no National League team in Texas, so none of those people will be from Texas. So that's 10,000 out-of-state randos attending each NLCS game where the players are required to be in a bubble. Why even keep the players in a bubble if you're going to bring loose fans to the game and there is a mask on policy required masks unless you're eating or drinking oh good because those two things don't happen at the ballpark so i'm sure those masks will be staying on for all nine innings there's no way anyone's going to be eating or eating any food or drinking anything it's not mandatory if there's if there's random times when it's not a requirement so major league baseball handled the negotiations like trash handled the covid safety protocols like trash instituted some COVID safety protocols, then decided to break them just so they could profit off of $10,000, uh, 10,000 fans worth of ticket sales yesterday. And they almost ruined an entire series with a rain delay, non-delay, stop, start, on, off, uh, pitchers hurt, pitchers not hurt. Uh, but yes, Matt Vasker's announcer, you're totally right. Major League Baseball is a big winner here. Uh, and it's no big deal that two entire teams got knocked out for like a month with the coronavirus. So well done. They almost ruined somebody's career. In, in, they almost ruined Masahiro Tanaka's legacy as a Yankee. Eduardo Rodriguez just started walking. Walking. He just got cleared to walk because he got coronavirus. I won't go, I won't go off. Yeah. I'm done going off. But no, Major League Baseball did not nail it. Yes. Not even close. They it again yesterday. And they almost ruined Masahiro Tanaka's Yankee legacy with another line of garbage. You got to give Tanaka credit because after that first inning, which would have demoralized anybody. And I'm going to give Boone credit for keeping him in because as you mentioned yesterday, Girardi would not have kept Tanaka in after that first inning. No way. Um, or maybe, maybe he gives him one more and then he just, he calls it. But Tanaka was good from innings two through four um, after that disaster in the first, which was beyond his control. I don't care what anyone says. I don't you put Justin Verlander in that situation. He probably doesn't give up four runs, but he's probably giving, he's probably giving up one um, at least because that's just, there's, there's no way there, there's no way you can, you can beat all the, all those factors going against you in that moment. And Tanaka doesn't have the kind of stuff that, um, that allows him to, uh, you know, escape that kind of, uh, that, that, that kind of pressure under those circumstances. But 
great two, two uh, innings two through four. Let the offense get him back, get the get him back into the game. Uh, aside from the first inning, then you know, uh, starting off the fifth with letting those two runners on. What are you going to do uh, at the end of the day? Like we said, Chad Green can't throw two hangers to Jose Ramirez. It's, uh, it, you just can't do that. The guy, the guy paints with 96, 97, and you know, you're trying to fool. The, the Indians couldn't catch up with any fastballs, and we're, we're, except for Josh Naylor, and we're, we're, <laughs> we're, giving, them, we're giving them 80 mile an hour off speed stuff. And that's that. I don't know what the bullpen's doing. But anyway, I just wanted to shout out Tanaka for being resilient there staying with it. I know his line was very ugly. He ended with ended up with uh, six earned runs on five hits and a few walks. Um, but he battled through 77 pitches. 50 of those were strikes. Um, I'm just pissed because now all of his postseason stats are fucked. And, and that, that pisses me off. Yeah. Well, let's do, I mean, how much time do we have here? Another hour and a half? We yeah. can burn book. We can burn book the bullpen a little bit. Cause honestly you can't, I mean, there's no way any like Yankee fans are thrilled. They got the win thrilled i am so hyped that was great the best playoff win in a long long time but you cannot honestly say you enjoyed the experience of watching that game um and it stems from a bit of unluckiness uh like aaron boone went to the guys who you want to see in this game right if you're telling me they need to pull masira tanaka in the fifth and they're going to try to go chad green zach Britton, or rolls chapman until the end of the game and the only other guy they use is jonathan loisga then i get it but here's how you don't do that. Uh, you bring in Chad Green with first and second no outs. I would have preferred to bring in Green with a clean inning, especially with Jose Ramirez coming up. Uh, but, you know, it, it happened. It already happened. So don't throw the curveball after you've already gotten strike one. Okay, you did. Uh, Ramirez hit a two-run triple. The game's now tied, and he's on third with nobody out. Then it's paint city from Green. Yeah. It, it's paint fastball in the outside corner. Uh, strikeout, strikeout, Josh Naylor flies out. Uh, and right before Josh Naylor flies out, ESPN cut to a man getting arrested. Uh, I have a lot of questions about that, but I guess we will wait for the police report. Uh, but yeah, that happened. Um, so Green starts off the next inning against the, the dregs of the lineup. Like they got Tyler Naquin out every, they could have gotten Tyler Naquin out in the series blindfolded. But the two dudes on the other side of him, Roberto Perez and uh, Delano DeShields had good swings, somewhat inexplicably. Judge maybe didn't die for a ball he probably would have dove for last year before he cracked that rib and punctured that lung. Don't blame him. Uh, do not blame him at all. But, you know, there's a world in which Judge dives there and hurts himself. Luckily, we're not living in that world. But it's first and second, now one out again. Green lets the guys on base who he's not really – you really shouldn't be letting those guys on base in that scenario. But there they are. They're on base. We bring in Zach Britton to face Francisco Lindor. Terrifying. Comes back from 3-1 down in the count, throws a great strike, and then gets Lindor to ground into a double play. Fantastic. At this point – I feel like stasis has been reached. You know, we're good now. We are now good. It's a two-run lead. Um, it's been preserved. They get the first two outs of the seven, then Britain walks the next two guys. The Luplo thing happens. Uh, we, we talked about it a little bit. Boone got baited into pulling Britain, but even in that scenario, Jonathan Loisaga should be competent enough to get Jordan Luplo out. He's not. So I would leave Britain in there. You would too. You said, um, but he doesn't. He leaves Loisaga in. Loisaga fails about as spectacularly as a reliever can fail right that the worst hitter you could face two strikes oh two he hangs a curveball game is tied really 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 sad and so bad and they tried to go to loisaga and he failed and it's okay people fail sometimes but he failed we start off the bottom of the eighth inning guess who's back out there it's jonathan loisaga the guy who very recently failed he walks delino de shields jr a huge failure very fast man 
who you should not be walking. Uh, he's walked. Jonathan Loisaga still on the mound. He walks Francisco Lindor. There are now two people on with nobody out and the heart of the order is coming up. And the only justification here is, I guess he really doesn't want two innings of a role to Chapman, right? Boone doesn't feel comfortable doing that. And he knows there's a do or die game three. And like, by the way, do or die game three started by Jay Happ. Sounds like a fine thing until you're actually staring at a do or die game three started by Jay Happ in the eyeballs. And you're like, oh my God, Jay Happ is starting a do or die game three. Listen up, Ohio, because this is a test from Pepsi. If you call C-Bus C-Town, you're not from Ohio. If you don't know the Blue Jackets actually have a fifth line, you're not from Ohio. And if you don't know what to say when someone yells OH, you're not from Ohio. We know this because at Pepsi, we are from Ohio. In fact, we bottle ice cold Pepsi right here in C-Bus. So when you're thirsty for something that says you're from here and proud of it, grab a Pepsi and say here's to OHIO, where Pepsi and life are oh so refreshing. Oh my God, what's going on? So you assume he doesn't want to use Chapman at all now, and he's like punting an 8-8 game. Uh, you'd be wrong again, because in comes Chapman with those two men on. So I, I get everything. I do understand it all. I don't think he should have been deked into pulling Britain. I do not think Chapman should have come in with, with traffic on the bases when he was clearly willing to put him into the eighth anyway. you got to bring Chapman in for a clean inning there. Um, and I now, suddenly, uh, I do not trust going into a race series with no days off. I do not trust Zach Britton. I do not trust uh, Chad Green, really, as much as I should. I absolutely don't trust Loisaga, who is essential because you're going to have to use either him or Adam Ottavino as a bridge, and he won't put Ottavino in any game. Uh, Adovino against Jordan Luplo, it's like that's a slam dunk. You have to do that if, if that's what he's paid to do. Uh, Nine million dollar man, and now I, I, he doesn't trust Adovino, and I don't trust any of the people he's put in in Adovino's place. So yeah, it's hard to feel great going into this division series. It's just a pain because every single per, every single reliever faltered here. Um, you go to Chapman's two innings, which were which were good when you look at the stat sheet, but guess what? First pitch of the first battery faces is a single to bring in the the uh, the lead uh, the run to break the tie. Um, then what do we have after that? We have the rocket to Gio Rochella, and if that gets through, that's that's pretty much game. So I, I can't even you know the Chapman's outing there wasn't exactly uh, wasn't exactly pristine either, and that was the best one out of all of those. You're getting the worst versions of all of these guys. Um, Britain can't do split inning. I'm done with seeing this guy doing split inning. He, he is incapable of doing it. It's totally fine, but do not, I don't care if he throws one pitch and gets out of an inning, do not bring him in for the next inning. If he has to go into that dugout and sit down, he cannot do it. This guy was, was someone who was thriving in the closers role at the beginning of the year. And then we switched up his stuff in terms of where he's going to go. And we saw a little bit of a slide. He had, he did have a tremendous year. Um, but now you're bringing him in in the sixth inning. This is not what this is not what he's used to doing. So uh, Boone is is not going to change his ways there. It doesn't matter. So we have to deal with it. But in terms of what inning Britain is going to come in, but um, do not no more split inning duty for Zach Britton. It's impossible. It, it's not never going to work. Uh, the one thing I'm worried about him though, I'm worried about him the most, and why? Uh, his stats look great, you know, for the regular season, and you know you'd venture to say that he does pass the eye test during the regular season but he's had body of work in the postseason uh 2014 with the orioles and then 2018 and uh 2019 and now 2020 with us um 379 era 1.42 whip 
15 walks in 19 innings. That's not what you need from a reliever. It's just not at all. Only 16 strikeouts in 19 innings. He's given up 12 hits, all not good. Um, it, you can't, this is not some, and this is somebody who is supposed to be your setup man, who you're supposed to go to when you need an out. Um, and it doesn't really seem like that he is that guy. And that worries me a lot. And the fact that Adovino wasn't even warming last night, that's gotta, that's gotta make you nervous in a completely different way because we need all hands on deck for this entire postseason, and now this this series against the Rays is probably going to be the hardest because it's not seven games. You you know you could argue that seven games versus the Rays might be easier for us um, because then you know their bullpen would be a little bit more taxed, but now they can have all hands on deck for five games and get the job done done just as easy. And if we're unable to do that because we have guys throwing off speed pitches when they should just be painting with their fastballs. Um, or we have guys who can't perform at split inning duties, or we have guys that walk batters in when you, when you cannot walk batters in high leverage situations in the postseason, then that poses a big problem. And Ottavino was supposed to be one of those guys who Boone can bring in in the sixth, in the seventh, in the eighth, or you know theoretically maybe the ninth if you know maybe it's a if it's a three or four run game and Chapman's tired or something. I don't know what the scenario would be, but. Last year, before the postseason happened, Adam Adovino was a guy who you kind of viewed as the Swiss Army bullpen knife. You could bring him in whenever. He could last a couple innings. He can close out a game. Who knows? Now he can't do anything. He was on track to kind of bring himself back after that six-running game in Toronto, but his last inning of work, five hits in one run, and he comes in for two relief appearances at the end of the year um, against the Blue Jays and the Marlins, and he can't get through the entire inning. Uh, two-thirds of an inning and, and one-third of an inning. So now he's back at square one in terms of his confidence. Um, and you know, forget about Boone's confidence in him. That, that doesn't even exist. Boone's literally trying to save his job at this point. Um, and that's, that's, those, two are, those two things are the biggest concerns to me. Loisega, what do you, I, he was put in that situation. I would have just told the kid to throw fastballs. I don't know what that was about. I don't know why he's he's yesing a curveball. That's something they need to that that's something they need to hash out. I guess uh, before Monday shouldn't be throwing off speed pitches, especially to bad hitters. Bad hitters can't catch up to really good fastballs, and he has a very good fastball. Um, my concerns with Chapman are always he just Chapman has not made any memorable saves aside from that one last night, and it was very much aided by the defense in the eighth inning. If he doesn't get out of that, uh, Chad Green, I trust. Um, he's I feel bad because he's thrown into the fire and he's thrown into all different kinds of situations. We used him as a damn opener last year for how long. So, uh, I, I don't know that that's, that's my uh, soapbox rant on the bullpen, but my biggest concerns are Britain and Ottavino, And I don't think that's going to change. No, I, I mean, you talk about the Rays being all hands on deck and all it is is best of five series. There are so many damn hands on deck in Tampa. I mean, they have the stupid stable of guys who throw 98 and they're dumb horse shirts. But like it's obnoxious, but it's not a lie. There are there's guy after guy after guy in the Rays bullpen who you just trusted to get outs. They had 12 men record a save during the regular season, and Peter Fairbanks did it in game one of the <laughs> wild card round, and that was number 13. The guy who recorded a save in game one of the playoffs hadn't done it all year. He wasn't one of the 12 people to do it. So the Rays just have depth on depth on depth. They probably have the best reliever in the American League this year in Nick Anderson. In turn, you want to talk about a Swiss Army knife? That guy does it all. 
and we have Britain, who's our confidence is waning in, Chapman, who we never have confidence in, Loizaga, who's like 0.0 right now, Adovino, who Boone doesn't even look at in the postgame banquet, Chad Green, who's great, but wasn't great in his most recent appearance. And then you're right into Jordan Montgomery and Jonathan Holder. And Davey Garcia is going to start game four as long as it's played. So he's not really an option either, unless Garrett Cole needs someone in back of him in game one. Uh, all of this is fairly, fairly ugly. And we will have a more serious in-depth preview for you on Monday once we're able to clear our heads a little bit. Uh, but this series is happening. Garrett Cole is pitching game one. The New York Yankees are playing the Tampa Bay Rays in a postseason series. It's going to take place in the bubble. It's going to be in San Diego at Petco Park. No Tropicana field. No Trop. No Trop. No Yankee Stadium. Nowhere the Rays have ever played before. Same advantages and disadvantages for both teams. The stable of guys throwing 98 is ready. Michael Brosseau is ready. But guess what? We're ready to. Uh, the stats were pretty even this year for a series that somehow went 8-2 Tampa. Aaron Judge hurt himself on the turf at the Trop. Guess what? There's grass at this stadium. Giancarlo Stanton had trouble rounding first and going to second. And the stupid carpet guess what? There's real dirt here. This is an actual baseball stadium where people play baseball, not some sort of expo center for uh, like a Florida, you know, boat show. Uh, this is a baseball <laughs> stadium. The Rays and Yankees are playing baseball in a baseball stadium. And I'm, I'm pumped. I, this, they needed to get out of the dinky first round. I didn't have a lot of faith they would, uh, but now it's the playoffs. Last night ushered it in and we're in the postseason now uh, and it's time to strap on your shorts. A lot of, lot of momentum, too. You know, it's, that, that momentum after that game is going to be huge. The Rays kind of just, you know, took care of business against the Blue Jays. I don't know how good you could feel about that as a team in terms of morale. I'm sure it's fine, but it's nothing like the, the, the elevated spirit that game two gave us. And also, Yankees have learned a lot of lessons this year. The Rays have not, you know, been kind of through the trials and tribulations that we have. Kind of like to compare them to the Giants Super Bowl teams. You know, the Giants Super Bowl teams went through it all in terms of the highs and the lows through the regular season, and they just turned it on in the postseason. Hopefully the Yankees can do that. And they had a lot of issues in this one series with that game too. That game too presented so many problems and they have the weekend now. They have, they have today through Sunday to figure things out and get back on track. And I hope they'll do it. I'm confident they'll, they'll, they'll do all they can to make sure that we can shut up the 98ers because really funny guys can't wait to burn all that equipment after you get eliminated. I am going to light a cigar with the ash from a 98ers hat if the Yankees beat the Rays in this series. Like, yeah, you can sum it up as simply as this. Game two, that game is the team that really good baseball teams win. The Yankees won that game. They had it taken from them like 10 times, and they fought back 11. I didn't think they could do it. Many of us didn't think they could do it. My Twitter feed is a mess, but it was all worth it. Uh, that's a game that you're, you're going to tuck that one in the memory box and we're, we're always going to have that. And I wish that the fans had been able to have that in person uh, and everybody wear a mask so that we can have it next year because uh, this team is really special. And no matter what happens the rest of the way, um, an incredibly interesting baseball team and an incredibly gutty team win. Uh, that is it for this episode of the Yanks Go Yard podcast. Uh, we are going to be back on Monday with another full series preview of the division series with the Tampa Bay Rays on the other side of the bracket. It's the Astros and A's. The winner of this series is going to have to face a truly tough team or an under 500 team that Carlos Correa is bragging about for some reason. So let's see how that sorts itself out. A lot of danger ahead, but you got to feel good right now if you're a Yankees fan. Until next time, I am Adam Weinerib, and you can find me on Twitter at Adam Weinerib. 
And I'm Thomas Carinante. You can find me at Tommy's underscore takes. We're also running the official Yanks Go Yard Twitter account at Yanks Go Yard FS. A lot of interaction last night after all the hectic stuff that was going on. We want to see more of it and we want to see an exponential amount when we're facing the Rays because this is going to be trash talking at its finest. Tensions are going to be high and a stake in the ALCS is on the line. And this is going to be as intense as it gets. We are ready. Until next time, everybody, we will see you. Progressive Snapshot can save you money based on how you drive and how much you drive. So the safer you drive, the more money you could save. Now, if you didn't hear that because you were yelling at another car while driving, let me say it again. You need to calm down. Yelling is just making everyone as stressed out as you are and letting them all know that you definitely aren't trying to save with Progressive Snapshot. And if you did hear it the first time because you weren't yelling at another car, nice work. You'd love Snapshot from Progressive because it rewards safe drivers. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Snapshot not available in California and North Carolina or from all agents. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.